The reading this morning is taken from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31, and is on page 1099 of the Church Bible. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. And uh, first of all, just before I start, a big thank you to those who uh, sponsored me for this little stroll I did earlier on in the week. I've still got some blisters to prove it, but uh, we managed to do the 58 miles and we seem to have raised about 1,600 quid for um, Retrack, working with street children in Uganda. So a big thank you to everyone who supported and uh, some who walked as well uh, with me from Taunton back to Downend. Just going to pray again uh, briefly. Thank you, Lord God, for uh, this new day and all that it brings. Thank you for your word to us. I know Helen's already prayed it, but uh, just ask again, Lord, that you might speak through me and help us to hear your voice. In Jesus' name. Amen. There's a little verse tucked away in the book of Hebrews, which, uh, which I love. Um, Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter which is full of recognition of heroes and heroines of faith down the ages, who, uh, people who stepped out in faith. And at the beginning of that chapter, Hebrews 11 verse 1 reads, Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. Now, uh, many might be dismissive of that particular sentence. They'll say, well, that's not faith. 
That's just living in cloud cuckoo lands. It's naive, it's stupid, it's irresponsible. Richard Dawkins has been quoted as saying, Faith is the great cop-out, the great excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate evidence. Faith is belief in spite of, even perhaps because of, the lack of evidence. Faith in God is portrayed in parts of the media as something that's anachronistic. And yet, not just millions, but billions of people in this world have faith. It was interesting, uh, the week before last, just before Easter, I was at uh, Hazelmere leading the youth camp, and uh, I was leading a dormitory of 15-year-old lads, very much on the edge of Christian faith. They'd come together from all over the country. And on the second evening, we asked them, what is it that stops you from making a commitment to Christ? And uh, nearly all of them said the thing that stopped stopped them was their perceived their perception that faith and science cut against each other. There are lots of issues around the logic, the plausibility of Christian faith. And maybe that reflects in part the educational environment in which they're growing up. I was saddened that one of the friends who joined me for part of a walk this week was uh, sharing a few weeks ago that although once he'd been very committed to Christ and very much involved in his local church. He'd actually now lost his faith because of what he saw as an incompatibility between faith and science. As we look at the events of that first Easter weekend, so much of it seems totally illogical. In fact, most of the claims of Christians about Jesus appear illogical. The man who was God the miracle worker, the one with the power to forgive sin, the innocent victim, the dead man come back to life. Folks, we Christians believe some pretty amazing things. And you have to feel for Thomas when he misses out on Jesus' first resurrection appearance and struggles to believe the truth of that resurrection day. When his friends claim with great enthusiasm, we have seen the Lord, his response is, well, surely it's a wind-up. His mates are just having a laugh. Hasn't escaped my attention that uh, next Easter day, 2018, is on the 1st of April, April Fool's Day. Uh, One uh, colleague of mine, someone who helps at Hazelmere, and he's a vicar in Wembley in North London, Uh, He's 65 next year and quite a character, so he's decided that's the ideal day to retire. He said it couldn't be more perfect. Easter Day and April Fool's Day. A good day to hang up my cassock. Thomas does what most sane people would do in face of a lack of evidence. He says, prove it to me. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. How many people do we know, or perhaps folks here, who hold back, hold back from committing to Christ, waiting for some incontrovertible proof? And yet the fact of the matter is that we can't prove God in that sense. We can't prove the reality of Christ's resurrection beyond 
all doubts. It's not as if it's the same as trying to prove how a car engine works or the genetic structure of a rabbit. Someone was telling me earlier this week about friends of theirs who are this close to committing to Christ. Perhaps they just need one little moment, one little experience before they commit. But ultimately, for them, as for us, a step of faith is required. And faith is about choosing to act, even if the outcome might appear uncertain. A great illustration of that uh, from a few years back is in the film Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It's that Harrison Ford film. And uh, Indy, near the end of the movie, has got to pass through several tests to reach the Holy Grail. And he knows that one will be a leap from the lion's mouth. And with his father close to death and the grail the only hope to save him, Indy rushes through a doorway below a carved lion's head and finds himself standing right on the edge of an enormous canyon. And on the opposite wall in the distance is a doorway. But in between it seems that there's nothing but air. So what can he do? Well, with no other options and time running out, he does the only thing that he can do. He steps out into that chasm and his foot hits solid ground. And the camera pans down and reveals a bridge across the canyon, perfectly camouflaged to look like the opposite wall of that canyon. A step of faith. And when we step out in faith, God meets us. I've seen that time and time again in my life, sometimes learning the hard way. In our Gospel reading, that has already happened with the other disciples. There they were, they were locked away, fearful of what the authorities might do to them, and Jesus comes to meet them. I imagine Thomas learned a very important lesson about trust and faith when he did eventually come face to face with his risen Lord. He was certainly overcome with joy when the truth hit him. My Lord and my God, he proclaimed. But you might say, well, Thomas and the disciples, they had it easy. Thomas, in his doubting, found that Jesus came to meet him face to face and showed him the nail marks in his hands. Jesus took the initiative. The evidence was then overwhelming. Thomas couldn't hide from the reality. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. Whereas for us there may be times when we're struggling to recognise the reality of God's love, to feel his provision and presence, or maybe things have happened to us. The death of a loved one, long-term sickness, redundancy, hurt inflicted by another, struggles with depression... Maybe we're feeling that God isn't quite meeting us in those places at the moment. But in these times, we have a choice to make. To misquote Shakespeare really badly, to believe or not to believe, that is the question. How will we choose to respond? 
There's plenty in life that we don't understand. There's plenty in life which could potentially be understanding. We read of joy. We read the experience of the disciples being overjoyed. We read about forgiveness. We read about the life that he brings. However fragile our faith might be, that's worth choosing to step out for day by day. But we have to make that choice. Will we trust? Will we believe? Some words to finish from that great hymn. We sung it last Sunday morning. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering Son. Lo, Jesus, meet us, risen from the tomb. Lovingly he greets us, scatters fear and gloom. Let the church with gladness, hymns of triumph sing. For her Lord now liveth, death hath lost its sting. In everything we face this week, let's choose to trust in the risen Christ and in our Creator God. Amen.